I like that, Karen. All right. Thank you. Okay. We love you both. Thank you. I feel it. I see you. I don't see all of you. If you're around the corner and you want a seat, these don't cost any more. They're up in the front, and you can sit at my feet, and I like how that feels. So if, you, if I can't see you, that means you can't see me, and we, we'd like to see each other. So find a place. There are places. Raise your hand if you're sitting next to an empty seat. Or do we have some? We have some. Yeah, we've got some. So there are places. You don't have to stand. You don't have to be around in the corner. Got good news. I told you uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that uh, my neighbor came across the street to, to tell me that uh, he was thinking of moving because there's so much going on here. And he looks outside and he just sees the cars. The cars are lined around his house. And uh, it was sad for me to hear that because I don't want to be obnoxious to our neighbors. So I went door to door, went down and heard some of those same things. A couple days ago, he came across the street and he said, Paul, I just want you to know that I'm grateful you listened. He saw some changes in the way we were parking. And he says, you're trying. And that really meant a lot to me that you didn't just push me off, but you listened and you made some changes. That allowed me to say my appreciation to him. Then I said, I'd like to share something with you. Share the gospel with him. And uh, now I'm praying for John, that John will come to believe in Jesus as a result of the difficulties that we have had, and God overturns that. So we bless John tonight. We bless his family. We bless them with life in Jesus Christ. And that that will be the first fruits of others in the neighborhood coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That's worth saying amen to, isn't it? So... Just a couple other things. We are people of the clipboard. I saw these people. They had three clipboards, and they're, they're trying to pass it along. It's hard to pass three clipboards along. You know, you fumble around, and then one goes, and another two stay. Are they back? Where are the clipboards? Raise your hand. You got a clipboard. There's one. There's, there should be. Oh, she's got two. See, she's holding two. So we are people of the clipboard. And in a week or two, I'm going to pass yet another clipboard out. Because we are interested in discipleship here. Jesus said to make disciples, not just bring people to faith, but to, to bring them up, to teach them how to obey what God wants us to do. And so we want that to happen. So we're going to send a clipboard around next week or the following week, inviting you to consider being discipled by a small group. We've got people that want to lead groups, and we'd like to bring together several different groups Depends on how many sign up. We'll put you together in a, in a group, and we'll have some group discipleship. It often leads to individual one-on-one -on -one peer mentoring and discipleship. So consider that. Just thrilled. Karen and I prayed, cried out to God for relationships to begin around here. And we're finding that happen just more and more. And so we're praying that that, uh, that will happen for you in God's timing. According to God's holy will, it will happen to you.
It's not too late. God can do it for you as well. So we'll be having a meeting in a couple of weeks that we'll put in the update about that. There's a, a friend of Karen of mine. She's at North Heights, Kathy Lou. There'll be something in the update about the potential of mentoring some younger people, and we'd like you to consider that. There's a meeting just this week, and so if you're interested and you want to come and see me about that, if you'd like to mentor someone who's younger in middle school, junior high, let me know. Okay. Look at me. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. For as important as the home is, there's little instruction directed specifically to children and to parents. There's a lot about living the Christian life, of course, but there's little specifically. We're going to look at the two places. It's rare, but the two places where Paul addresses specifically children and parents One is in Ephesians chapter 6. Here's what he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord when they are right. If you're not following, maybe you don't have a Bible. And there are Bibles here. If you need a Bible, would you take those and just uh, go out? If you you don't see one, uh, get around where you can see a Bible. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. You could probably come up times where you'd say, well, I can't obey my parents. They're telling me not to go to church. I can't obey my parents. They're, they're uh, telling me not to read my Bible. or They're, you know, overt sin. Obviously, this is not right. But children, here's what it says. Obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. And he starts there because it can be hard to be a Christian in the home. Anybody find it's really hard to be a Christian in the home? Because we're living with imperfect parents. And we can cross the line and excuse sin because of our wounding or because our parents aren't Doing it right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That doesn't give us the freedom to sin because grace abounds. Grace doesn't excuse sin. Grace overcomes sin. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then it says something after that, just as strong. And it attaches a promise to it. Because God is so concerned about the family and right connections between children and parents. I'm talking to a lot of children tonight. You say, well, I'm not a child. I'm an adult. Okay. Well, you've got parents. You're their child. Honor, and it's not too late. 
to honor your parents. Honor your father and mother. And then he throws in this little phrase, which is the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? A long life and... What? Yeah, it, a long lying, a long life and a good life. I mean, what would you pay for a long life and a good life? What would that cost? How could you get a long life and a good life? Anybody want a good life? Man, I want a good life. The Bible tells us how we can live a good life. It says, honor your father and your mother. And you're going to live a good life and you're going to live a long life. I'm claiming that. I'm, I'm believing that I'm going to live to be 100. Because I sought to honor my father and mother. And so, so far, so good. So, Paul, I'll be 95 then if we're going to go together. We'll go. I, we, I wouldn't mind going with you. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> then he speaks to the parents, and in both places he doesn't speak to the mother. He speaks to the father. Why do you think that is? That's my call. That's how I, I view it. They have ultimate responsibility. Both parents are leaders in the home. But fathers bear a responsibility not shared by the mother. And so he addresses the father. And notice in this and in the other passage, he starts out with a negative. Why would he start with a negative? Is Paul a pessimist? He's a realist. And apparently Paul saw enough difficulties in the home where dads weren't doing what dad was supposed to do. And so he starts with a negative and he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. That's really sad because unfortunately, a lot of us fathers exasperate our children. How do we do that? Maybe more like CEOs and fathers. Or maybe on the other side, so far distant that we're not even there. We're not leading anything. We're not a part of the family. We don't call the family together. There's no community in the household. There's no, there's, there's no joy in the household. Do not exasperate your children. How, how can that happen? What, what could cause them? I want you to ask yourself, how did my dad, if he did, exasperate me? And just so you know, we're not bashing parents. I'm a parent. I know how difficult it is to be a parent. And I've confessed often to my kids. You ask them. I've blown it many times. Had to come straight with them. Sorry for how I've put ministry before you. So I'm not here bashing parents. I am going after healing tonight. We're going after broken hearts that need healing. And some of you don't even know that you have a father wound. And there's something in there. You wonder why it's so hard for you to overcome pornography. Why it's so hard for you to wake up in the morning and really be happy about the day. I was a pastor out in San Pedro. And I was calling people to the front lines of victory in Jesus. And, and I wondered why some of them just didn't go. They were leaders and they should be on their front lines. I realized, and I don't remember how I realized but I came to realize that many have needed intensive care. And I was pushing them to the front lines. And so we had to pull back and go through a season of healing. And then something happened that 
they liked it so much in the intensive care that they didn't some of them didn't want to get back on the front lines and it was hard to hard to encourage them to get back some of you are wondering why it's hard for you to overcome certain things it may be that there's a father wound i want to say two things to you tonight one is that many christians suffer from a father wound I thought we had a great family because I had wonderful parents. After my parents died, my sister Karn, I was and still am very close. I'm close to all my sisters. We sat down in her kitchen and she said, Paul, did it ever occur to you that you were more special? It never did. But when she said that, I felt her pain and I started to cry. Because my father treated the five sisters as a group, as did my mother. I was the individual. My dad went to my games, supported me, and they did not feel that support. My sisters used words like abandonment, rejection. It shocked me because we were really good family. So you may be here tonight, you've got good parents, good family. Just, I'm not trying to convince anybody that you have a wound if you don't have a wound. But if you're wounded, it's okay to say, I'm wounded. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, so he's going to give us the flip side. Bring up them up in the training instruction of the Lord. That speaks of intentionality. It speaks of focus. It speaks of having instruction. There's something that a father is to impart to his family. How to become an adult. I, I once had an altar call and people came forward and I, I said, what did your dad owe you? What did, what did he not give you? He didn't train me up to be an adult. He didn't get ready for adult life. I messed up real bad. I'm still messing up. And they felt badly because a father that was called to instruct them didn't instruct them. Flip over to Colossians. Here's the other place. Now it says children again. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents. And now he says something even stronger, for this is right. He says, what does he say? Obey your parents in everything. That pretty well covers it. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 26. And then again, he comes to the fathers, not the mothers, comes to the fathers. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. A lot of children, the fathers have embittered them, knocked the wind out of them, caused them to be angry, made promises they didn't keep, didn't, didn't connect emotionally with them, and so they wonder, who am I? They felt devalued. They felt like they weren't as important as a golf handicap or a business situation at work. Some of you told me about how you were devalued. And so when that happens, we try to find value. We'll find value however we can. We'll find it in a relationship with the opposite sex. We'll cross the line. Or we'll find it with a group of people, whether they're righteous or not. We'll find it in wearing things or in perfectionism. Somehow... To, to, to say, I am valuable. 
And we say it loud when we have been devalued. And the place that we're supposed to find value is in the home. Home is meant to be the closest place on earth to heaven. In fact, it's often more like hell. And God is scandalized when that happens. God is deeply grieved when the picture we get of God through our parents is something of a distant person who is saying, when are you going to get it together? And so we keep score to try to improve our life or get this prayer thing down or learn how to study the Bible and try to make it. And we're pursuing this thing called religion and try to get close to God. And there's a wound inside that's blocking us and, and, and causing our emotions to be fragile and insecure. And we react. Somebody gives us a two and we respond with a seven. Well, that's a pretty good indication there's a wound there that's touching me. Just want to look at a couple in the Bible, a couple of these uh, people who were wounded. Turn to Genesis 25. Verse 27, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, man of the open country. He's an athlete. While Jacob was a quiet man, Staying among the tents, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. What a happy home that was. Talk about the tension between dad and mom, between the two brothers. Lots of tension, lots of conniving going on. He's a patriarch, by the way. Isaac is a patriarch. He shouldn't have done that. Didn't do either son a favor. My sisters grew up feeling they came in second place to me. Any of you felt like you were you were second place as you were growing up? Doesn't feel good. Devalues you. So here is Jacob conniving for the blessing. He finally gets it, but he almost kills himself in the process. He's got a father wound. And here's the sad thing. Jacob becomes a father. But he's not fully healed from his conniving. What does he do? He's got a favorite. You go to that home and you don't feel happiness. You feel hatred. You feel tension. It's supposed to be a home where there's love. There's no love there. There's love being poured down on one son who wears this jacket, his coat. But his brothers hate him. Creates a wound in their heart because of rejection from someone who's supposed to be loved. What's a father wound? I've told you this story before. I'll, I'll tell it again. When Israel was real young, four, five, and I, I was doing a lot of running. I said, I'm going for a run. Israel said, I'm going with you. I said, no, I'm going for a long one. He said, I can, I can keep up with you. So I, we ran 
for a block. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Ran for a second block. I, I said, how are you doing? Well, let's walk for a while. Well, I didn't want to do that, so I just put him on my shoulders. And I was running with him on my shoulders. When I run, I spit. It's, I just have a habit. And I, I don't spit at people. I, I spit, you know, spit over in the bushes. And when I spit, Israel spit. His spit didn't go as far as my spit. About to the end of my arm. And I, oh, Israel, that is gross. Don't do that. So I go a little farther, and I forget what just happened. Because I have this habit, and I just spit. He spits again. Why does he do that? God put that in the hearts of kids. God put it there. Daddy is the strongest person in the world. You almost worship. In early life, you almost worship your parents. I'm watching it now with the grandchildren. Dad's the strongest in the world. Mom's the most beautiful. These kids were arguing. One kid said, my daddy can beat up your daddy. And the kid responded, yeah, so can my mom. So what happens What happens when reality sets in, when that's violated, when a promise is made that's not kept, when, something, when, when harsh treatment is given for something really small, when discipline is given in anger rather than love, what happens in that heart that wants to worship, that finds this person isn't worthy of worship, and something happens in my heart, and it's confusing, and I want to devalue that person, but I can't because I'm worshiping him, so I devalue myself. There's something wrong with me. And I turn inward. And then I, there's a cloud that hangs over me. And I get up in the morning and I go to bed at night. And it stays there. That does not go away. I've prayed with 80-year-old people who have had wounds all their life. And finally, they're delivered from this father wound. That's what we want to do tonight. We want to pray and see you delivered. So there was a whole line of father wounds in the patriarchs because of their treatment. One more. And I'm going to ask some people to give testimonies. Who was the son of David that was most like David? The son, the son of David, Absalom. He had the charisma, he had the character, he had the leadership of his father, who hated his father. Absalom loved him and he hated him. He looked for his he looked for his attention even at the age of 40. He was still waiting for his father to love him. David was a better fighter than a father. And when Amnon violated Absalom's sister Tamar, what did David do? It says he was in a rage. He was furious. What did he do? Nothing. So Absalom said, well, I'm going to do something. He killed him. And so David is grieving for Amnon. And Absalom flees. So he just lost two sons. So what did he do? 
he, he was comforted. The Bible says he was comforted, said in Second Samuel 13. After Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he stayed there three years, and the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom. Listen to that. For he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. Why didn't he? A lot of times fathers are paralyzed. Don't understand it. David was paralyzed. There was a passivity in him, not with regard to leadership on the military, but as a father. He didn't know how to connect emotionally, heart to heart, with Absalom. And, and Absalom comes back, and then David still doesn't go see him. Absalom burns down a field. So he said, Yoo-hoo! I'm your son! And then David came, met with him, kissed him, and that was it. Didn't try to make a connection. Did David love Absalom? Oh, he really loved him. Just didn't know how to show it. Some of you have fathers that really love you. They just didn't have the machinery to, to show it. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they had a father wound. And so... Absalom tries to kill David and take the throne. And David is fleeing. The battle ensues. And David tells Joab, deal kindly with my son. Well, Joab isn't that kind of person. And he puts darts through Absalom as he's hanging from a tree. But what he really died from was a father wound. And so David is waiting for the news to come. Second Samuel 18. And he's asking. And the first runner doesn't know. And the second runner comes. And he says, is the young man, Second Samuel 18.32, the king asked the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, may the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm you, be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. really sad had he known how to father they could have spared, been spared from that grief there's grief in heaven tonight over what some of you went through heaven is scandalized by pictures that are skewed by pain it may be pain that you entered into and you need to ask forgiveness for that. Maybe pain of parents who didn't know how to do it, probably loved you but didn't know how to show it. And we want to see God touch that because the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God the Father, He wants to touch your heart. If there's a bias in heaven, it's a bias toward the broken, consistently says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. Who is God near? He's not near the proud. 
He sees them afar off. He backs off where he sees pride. He hates it. Where he sees brokenness, he says, I want to get close to this. So if you feel broken, God wants to get close. And even now, you may sense him coming close to you. And my encouragement to you is just as best you can, open your heart. Just open it up. I'm going to ask some people to share. And I said I was going to share with you two things tonight. The first is that many suffer from a father wound. The second thing I'm going to share is how you can be healed. How God can touch you tonight and heal you. It's often a process, not simply an event. So this may be the start or it may be already started and it's continuing. But tonight's going to be a special night for many of you. God bringing healing to broken hearts. So I'm going to have three people come up and share. Some friends of mine, Gary and Sue Bistrom. Susan is going to share. Bless you, Susan. Um, my testimony is one of, um, you know, sometimes we are blindsided. We're hit by um, things from the enemy, and we have no control over. But the wonderful thing is our Heavenly Father is outside of time, and he can go back, and he can heal those things that come from the point of our conception or our birth. Um, I was involved in a ministry called Restoring the Foundations, and one part of the ministry was to ask the Lord to show you any ungodly beliefs that you may have. And the Lord showed me that, um, and I've always had feelings of fading into the background and being invisible and not being able to speak and not really existing. And those just seemed a part of me. You know, They just seemed like part of my own natural personality. But then through ministry, I confess that ungodly belief is sin. I ask the Lord to forgive me for receiving that ungodly belief and for living my life based on that. I renounced and I broke agreement with the ungodly belief and with the, the powers of darkness. And I broke off that spirit of death that the enemy had put on me. The next part of the ministry session was to allow God to heal my, any soul or spirit hurts that I received because of that ungodly belief. And the Lord showed me, he said, he was going to take me back to the time when I received that ungodly belief. Let me just give you some background about um, my background. I was the third and baby of um, a farm family. My sister was 10 years older than me, and my brother was 8 years older than me, so I'm not really sure my my parents had planned me or not. But my, um, my mom had a real difficult pregnancy. She um, was hemorrhaging and had blood clots. And that condition forced her to go into the hospital about a month and a half before my due date. And my, the doctor told my dad that he could not save both my mother and myself. In fact, he couldn't even find a heartbeat and thought that I would be stillborn. And the doctor performed a C-section to remove me and discovered that I was alive. During the ministry session, the Lord took me back to before I was born and to the moment of that C-section. The Lord showed me, just revealed to me that C-section. 
And he said, this is when that spirit of death was planted in me. And that's where that ungodly belief came that I shouldn't exist. And it took root in me. In the ministry session, you can ask Jesus to take you to the Father. And I asked this. And the Holy Spirit gave me a vision of how the Father God breathed life into me in my mother's womb. And Father God took me by the hand and presented me to heaven and said, This is my newborn daughter, and I'm pleased with her. She has purpose and destiny, and I will settle and establish her. And the angels in heaven clapped, (laughs) and I rejoiced that I was born, and they celebrated my birth. Hallelujah. (laughs) Sweet, huh? The Heavenly Father gave me life, and that life is meant to be full and abundant, as he has given you life, and he has abundant life for you. We have the right to exist. We have the right to have the space that God has created for us. And I have purpose and destiny as you have purpose and destiny. And I am no longer controlled by that old ungodly belief. God removed that deep root of death from my life. I believe that the enemy tries to instill roots of ungodliness in our lives at an early age. If he can plant those ungodly roots, then the tree that grows from those bad roots produce fruits of unforgiveness, bitterness, and rebellion in our lives. God wants to remove those deep, ungodly roots so that the life that comes forth yields the fruit of righteousness and peace and joy. I saw in my own life how that tree that came from that ungodly root of death produced a whole crop of bad-tasting fruit, The Lord led me to John 16, where Jesus says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit. I am in a process of pruning right now. I feel that I have this deformed tree in me that grew up from that bad root. But every day the Holy Spirit shows me attitudes and sins that I need to repent of. As I repent, he forgives, cleanses, and cuts off that old dead branch in me. As I abide in him, as I'm obedient to him, he grows those new branches in me that yield good fruit, those fruit that bring him glory, those fruit of the spirit that are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To God be the glory. Even though I'm a grandma... God's not finished with me yet. And I just really encourage you to um, to press into the Father God to receive all that he has for you. I have a sense that he's just waiting. He's like that father with the prodigal son. He's looking down the road, just waiting for you to come back to him. And his heart, his father heart is full because he wants to deliver you and just change and Redeem what the enemy has tried to steal. Amen. Amen. How wonderful that God is redeeming what the devil tried to destroy. Thank you, Susan. 
Okay, Susan's husband. They make a good team. Well, I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity to share my testimony about what the Father, heart of God has meant to me. But I feel he wants me to pray for you first. So if you could just bow your heads for a minute. The Bible says no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I ask you, Jesus, to reveal the Father to us. Give us teachable hearts like the hearts of children that trust. Father, you do not have favorite children. I ask you, Jesus, that my words will bring glory to the Father and bring comfort to someone here as the Father's comforted me. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'd like to begin by telling you what my perceptions about God the Father used to be. I knew that Jesus loved me, but I had an ungodly belief that God the Father only cared about me because I believed in his Son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. I had an ungodly belief that God was distant and unavailable. For most of my life, I felt that I was not wanted and accepted, and I expected people to reject me after they got to know me. It was like they were only confirming the rejection I already felt toward myself. I had a root of rejection that I did not understand. But the Father began to reveal his acceptance to me. This mainly came through the word as I read the scriptures. And scripture even seemed different to me, even as I read through the Gospels. John 3.16 uh, stood out to me in a new way. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I saw it was for Father so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. It, I saw it was the Father's love that initiated Jesus coming to the world to die for my sins and make a way for me to the Father and to become his child and receive his love. My ungodly belief that Father only tolerated me because I believed in his son Jesus was being replaced by the godly belief that God wants to be my Father. And he sent his son Jesus as a sacrifice to make that possible. I began to see that religion has mis misrepresented the nature of Father God and portrayed him as something he's not. The idea that the Father is the vengeful arm of the Trinity and Jesus is the compassionate one pleading for our undeserved pardon is not just harmful to our relationship with God, it also runs contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I say to you do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. The Father also used the Gospels to bring conviction to my heart. As I was reading in Matthew about Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray in what we know as the our Father prayer, Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The Father was convicting me of the unforgiveness I had in my heart towards my parents. And because of my unforgiveness, Father was not going to forgive me of my sins. I had always tried to honor my parents, be polite and respectful, but I guarded my heart when I was around them. I was guarded because I had experienced some rejection from them and I did not want to be hurt again. The Father was telling me to go to my parents and ask them to forgive me for having unforgiveness toward them and for guarding my heart around them, which prevented us from having a deep and loving relationship. And this is important. I really want you to hear me here. The Father said I was to ask my parents to forgive me without expecting anything back from them. And, for, and uh, I was to ask them to forgive me just because the Father told me this is what I was to do. 
Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So I scheduled a time to meet with my parents, but I kept telling the father that I was afraid to do it. But the father kept saying to me, Then do it afraid. (laughs) So I sat down with my parents and told them that I'd come over to ask them a very important question. I asked them, Will you please forgive me for my sin of unforgiveness that I've held in my heart towards you? Will you please forgive me for being guarded when I'm around you? I promise to open my heart to you so we can know and love each other more deeply. And my parents forgave me. Then they began to talk about some of the ways they treated me when I was a child, and they wished they could go back and change some things. Then they asked me to forgive them, and I told them, I forgive you. We cried, we hugged, and expressed our love to each other. And the only thing I regret is that I had not done this years earlier. As we talked further, I learned more about my parents and what they had experienced in their own childhood. They had experienced abandonment, abuse, alcoholism, and rejection. And they needed to have their own wounds healed by Jesus, who heals the brokenhearted. I realized my parents gave more love to me than they had ever received from their parents. I also realized that no parent would give me the kind of love and affirmation that would truly fill my heart, but this perfect love could only come from my Father in Heaven. I went home from my parents uh, that night with my heart full of love for them, and that night as I was praying to the Father and thanking Him, I started speaking in tongues. (laughs) I had spoken in tongues a little bit before, but now, just a few words, but now it just flowed out of me like a river. And Father was freeing me from a stronghold of unforgiveness that I had kept me bound for years. By forgiving others, I was free. And I experienced more joy than I'd ever known before. My life verse has become 1 John 4:19. We love because Father first loved us. As this verse has continually been written onto the tablet of my heart, I now experience true intimacy with my Heavenly Father. Because when I serve Him, It's out of an overflow of the love he first gave me. And I no longer serve the Father by striving as an attempt to receive his love or his approval. And Father keeps affirming his love to me. As my wife mentioned, uh, the Restoring the Foundations uh, ministry session, I was in one myself, and I went in to receive ministry for a root of rejection. And the Holy Spirit brought a picture to my mind of me as a newborn. I was laying in a cradle in the hospital nursery, nursery I was all alone there were no other cradles in this big room and I saw a big sign hanging over my head uh, that said had the word disappointed written on it and I felt this word describe how others felt about my birth about who I was when I asked Jesus to come into this memory he did he stood over my cradle bent forward and placed his hand on my chest Jesus face was very close to mine and he was smiling at me Jesus then looked up and saw the sign with the word disappointed on it. And he said, that's the wrong word. He said, the right word is appointed. And I said, appointed for what? And he said, sonship. Sonship to my father. When Jesus said I was appointed to sonship to the father, those words went into the deepest place of my heart. And the root of rejection that I'd felt for my whole life had been replaced with acceptance acceptance by the Father. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. 
so thankful for what my friends are sharing. Polly, you're batting third. Thanks, Polly. I was a leadoff hitter in college, so stepping into a new experience here. Um, so, yeah, so the situation Paul kind of unpacked when he introduced the message was really similar to the situation I grew up in. Uh, my dad's a professional coach, so I grew up in a performance-oriented experience in a family. And I'm, I actually have a very similar testimony to that of Esau and Jacob. I'm a twin. Um, my brother was like Mr. Baseball in Minnesota as a junior, which was the year after Joe Maurer did it. So it was like he literally won the baseball award of the state as a 17-year-old, like following Joe Maurer. So super amazing athlete. And we get along great. But um, a lot of attention was brought to my brother just naturally because of the exposure he had. So I grew up in this sort of environment, and I was really scholastic. So I responded in a way of perfection orientation and earning love. Um, and that just carried me through like all throughout high school. Um, and there was a lot of physical abuse in our family, um, primarily with my dad and I. You know, I would get, like, picked up and chucked across the room for, like, not doing well at a piano lesson, like really crazy stuff. So by the time I got to college, like, I was feisty. And when I mean feisty, like, just very angry. Um, and I fought, like, tooth and nail with people until I met Paul Anderson. Um, and I remember like just being super lonely, super rejected. And I walked into Paul's house one day, um, and he just met me, man. And he just talked with me and he walked me through some things. And I realized why I was angry. I, he spoke this message to me, you know, several times, um, and walked me through, you know, what that's like, everything he shared tonight, you know, how we respond when that model of a parent is totally perverted. Um, and then this, the terrifying thing, and it was terrifying in a good way, is um, Paul presented me the path of healing, which I don't know what he's going to share about that, but this is what he shared with me, and that I had a choice. And I can keep going the way I was going and hope that it worked out. Or I could walk through what Scripture says about obeying your parents. And um, it was so contrary to me. And I was so, like, offended, but I was in such a place of vulnerability that I actually had the grace to say, well, what I'm, not, what I'm doing now isn't working, so what do I have to lose, right? Like, what I'm doing now is just a total bomb. Like, I'm fighting with my dad. We don't get along. I hate him. I'm super angry. Um, I'm living this life of burden. And then Paul said, you know, where have you missed the mark with your dad? Like, where have you responded in rebellion versus submissiveness where have you know and just walked me through this and the list was like indefinite so he gave me an opportunity to walk this through and what I started to realize was um this unlocked my heart not was I in no way was I like taking some you know I mean I don't even know how to explain it like the the way that you your flesh wants to respond to that is well, absolutely not. Why would I ever do that? Like, that's crazy. I should punch him in the face. And, like, that's honestly how I felt. But, I, but somehow the grace of the Lord came on me. And, you can, and this is how you know this is Jesus. Because it unlocks your heart. 
in Jesus, when he presents us with truth in Matthew 5, um, and actually what Ben was praying this morning or this evening with prayer in Revelation 7, he, you see this picture of all these people, the nations, w- waving palm branches, worshiping Jesus and declaring salvation belongs to our Lord. And then you hear the angel's response is that the lamb in the center of the throne, he will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water and he, there will be no more tears, no more pain. And so the Lord started walking me through this this healing path of like, as we repent, as we offer forgiveness to our parents, as we honor them, regardless of the situation, we honor them simply because Jesus says to do it. And simply because Jesus is good and his ways are perfect. And the Bible says, revive me with your word, O Lord. It unlocked my heart. It brought me peace. And that's the easy yoke. That was that light burden and it took a long time. It took years. Um, so this was back in like 2006 that I started meeting with Paul. And so seven years later, you know, I'm 28 now. And honest to God, I have a good life. Like the scripture is true. Like as I started on, and that's not the only reason I have a good life. Like because I followed this one commandment. Like Jesus is, you know, glorious and great. Um, so there's, it's very dynamic and multidimensional. But I do. My marriage is strong. Like, Adrian and I get along wonderfully. Like, there's healing there. My dad and I have such a great relationship now simply because I walked this out and I trusted Jesus' ways. So that is, you know, so more than, like, identifying with me as, like, oh, sweet, I'm not the only one here tonight who's got a similar past, who's got a chalked-up resume with wounds from their parents, um, Jesus is, offers a way out. In Isaiah 61, it's Luke 4. I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to proclaim good news to the poor. So so I just want to like encourage you with that, that what Paul is sharing tonight isn't a fairy tale. It's not some vain approach that just sounds romantic, um, that you know forgiveness is, is good just because it's good. Um, it actually unlocks your heart. It actually frees you to live a life of, you know, wholeheartedness and go after Jesus and worship him, um, you know, in that relationship. So, amen. Okay, I'm batting forth. He set me up. said two things. Many suffer from a father wound. You can be healed. Now we're going to talk about it. Then we're going to do it. Those of you that are saying, I think I've got a father wound, listen carefully. Because we're just going to tell you how. First thing I do, and I've written this up in uh, a booklet called Healing from a Father Wound. Maybe you know somebody that needs to read this. You're thinking of a brother or sister or friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, somebody that needs this. I've got a whole stack of them here and a lot more. So uh, feel free to, to take one, take a couple, take whatever you need. So the first thing I do is I acknowledge I'm wounded. We don't shame people in war who get wounded. We actually honor them. It's an honorable thing to acknowledge you're wounded. You don't have to be embarrassed tonight if you say, I think I'm wounded. I think I've been wounded in my family. 
Here's what I want us to do here. I want you to finish this sentence. Jesus, I wish my father would have. Now we've we've focused on fathers. It may be a mother wound. It may be a, a significant person in your life. Could be, God forbid, a pastor wound. Somebody that had a right for you to trust them and they violated the trust and they created something in your heart that's just not going away. So finish the sentence. Just from where you are, just go ahead and finish it out loud. Say out loud. Different ones. One at a time. One at a time. Jesus, I wish my father would have finished it. Pardon? Stayed. Protected me. Loved me. Mentored me. Lead. Lead. Pardon? Existed. He was proud. Proud of you. Oh, yeah, I get you. Been proud. Proud of me. Few more. Jesus, I wish my father would have taken care, loved me, wanted. Didn't hear you. Sorry. Been there for me. So I acknowledge it. The second thing I do is I forgive imperfect parents. I was sharing this message and uh, a guy came up for prayer. It was in Denmark. And uh, I said, you want to deal with your wound? He said, yeah, I've got to. I said, okay, take this piece of paper and write down what your father owes you. And he said, I don't get it. What do you mean? I said, it says in the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What does your dad owe you? So he started telling me. Well, he owes me time. He owes me attention. He owes me a little respect. He owes me keeping promise. Okay, go ahead and write it down. He came back about 10 minutes later. I was praying for people up in the front. And he came back with a thing filled out completely. (coughs) I said, uh, do you think your dad's going to pay up? And he said, my dad's dead. I've asked that question over a thousand people. Do you know how many times I've got a yes? Zero. And so people have this IOU 
that they're carrying around to get even with somebody who's not going to pay up the debt. You can carry that around the rest of your life if you want to. And what's it doing? I'll tell you what it's doing. It's poisoning you. Poisoning your soul. It's keeping you actually connected to that person. There's somebody here tonight that we prayed for last week that got freed from this. And she wondered why the people that she chose were just like her dad. Isn't that interesting? Because she was tied to her father through emo- the emotion of resentment. And it just happened that way. She, was, she had this connection. And so I said, uh, forgiveness doesn't mean they didn't hurt you. You don't say, well, it's okay because it wasn't okay. Because God, as I said, was really hurt. He grieves over what you didn't receive. He didn't mean it that way. He didn't mean for you to get slandered and for his name to be scandalized. Forgiveness is you take this IOU and you tear it up, meaning that I'm turning it over to a just and merciful father to deal with what I'm not able to deal with. I don't know how to deal with this. He took it out of my hand and he started just to rip it up. As he did, I prayed, Heavenly Father, break the emotional bond that he's had with this father who's now dead. Break the bond and release him into the liberty of a son. So that night as I'm praying for people, this this is in the morning, that night as I'm praying for people, I look over and he's up at the altar praying for people. I didn't ask him to, but something was set loose, like it got set loose with you. Something was free. And he knew something had, there was a transaction that was made that freed him up. And God, God took him seriously. So that's step two. It's an important step. Number three, thank you for mentioning this, Gary, is I receive forgiveness for imperfect responses. You are not responsible for what people do to you. You are responsible for your responses. So if you respond in like that's your sin, not theirs. If you respond with bitterness, you've got that lance, that wound. It's got to get out of you. You've got to get healed from a heart that's broken and bitter. And so you come to a good father who loves you. He's not beating up on you. But he's saying, I want you to come to me in forgiveness for your confession, for your anger, for your resentment, for your bitterness, for the things that you did to cross the line because they drove you to it you're ready to do that you're ready to acknowledge that you had a part in this then fourth this is the really good news as I do this as Paul said it unlocks your heart your heart it's open perhaps like it's never been before and as your heart is open then you're ready to receive the affirmation of the father you receive the love that's poured into your heart. The Bible says he pours his love into our heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you. Some of you are going to experience that in a fresh way tonight. Like maybe you 
haven't before. So we're going to have prayer up here. And uh, Father, would you give courage to people tonight to deal with the things in their life that are broken? Turn that light off there. you're coming to him he's coming to you like the like a broken son running for home and the father's running toward the son that's that's your father now coming toward you and coming to show to show the depth of his love for you i want everybody to stand If as I talked about this, you were saying, yeah, I believe I'm wounded. I I think I'm wounded. Why don't you just quickly come forward, come to the front. Let's put these things as far back as we can. Just come forward. If you're uh, wondering if you should come forward, just think about perhaps the enemy would plant fear in your heart. And what do we hear tonight? Go ahead, even if you're fearful. Come on. I had a picture as Paul and I were praying earlier tonight about his message. It was a picture of a heart. And I shared some of it last week, but it was definitely a, a more of a picture of the of a wall that the enemy would put in front of your heart. A strong wall. Okay, so you put up a wall when you don't want someone to come close. And then the other part of the heart were all these tears and pain that you're holding on to. Don't hold on to those tears and the pain. You know, it's like a raincoat. It's it's not going to it's not gonna be able to stay there in your heart. It'll fester. So, yeah, don't don't let that pain just get harder. And so, Lord, we pray that your healing balm would come in. Your healing balm would come in to put that salve on those places of, of their hearts. There are, there are places in your heart that you don't even know exactly why and what is it. But tonight, Lord, we're saying, Lord, we give you our hearts, all those places where we haven't been able to say, we give it to you, Lord. Come and do that surgery. You are the great physician. You're the healer. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. You can break down that wall. Break down those places. Soften our hearts. We want to do this for your glory. here so just move a little more forward so we can get everybody close together and then I want out there you see a friend here if you can get close enough so that you can touch them if you can't just be praying for them anyway if, if some of you you see a friend up here I want you to come put your hand on them there's 
many years. We're believing God to show how kind He is, how loving He is, how merciful He is. So now you've already you've already done number one. You're here because you're acknowledging that. Way to go. That's wonderful. And the Father is happy that, you, that you're, you're here. That you're saying, I've been wounded. There's no shame in that. No one's shaming you. Now, number two. Now, we're, we're not going to take time for you to go somewhere and write it out. But if you, if, if you end up needing to do that, you go ahead and do it when you get home. But for now, you saw what I did. Think of what your father Think of what your mother owes you. Just think about it for a moment. I want you now to, just so you can hear it, loud enough so you can hear it, I want you to say to the person or the people that hurt you, that wounded you, I want you to say just loud enough so that you can hear it, Father, I forgive. And then say that person's name. Say those people's names. Speak it out. Father, I forgive. Go ahead. If you're able to do that, you're able to let them go. Remember, you're not saying they didn't hurt you. You're, you're releasing them. You're releasing them to the hands of God. So that we cut the negative bond now. We cut that bond. We cut that to free our friends, to free our brothers, to free our sisters from this negative attachment. In Jesus' name, we break that. We break that. Bible says if we if we don't that it, there's torment that's in our heart that's why it's so powerful to release people that have hurt you the father's so glad that you're able to do that you're willing to do that we speak grace into your life that you continue that you continue to speak forgiveness to them continue speak forgiveness going to make it up to you. The past is past. You know you're healed when you can thank God for how he uses the pain in your past. He's going to use the pain, just like our friends Gary and Susan and Paul said. He's going to use it all. He's not going to waste anything. It's good that you release them. In Jesus' name, we release them. We let it go. Father, we drain, we lance the wounds now. We drain away. We drain that bitterness, that resentment. We let it go. We say, I let it go. We let that bitterness go. We just see it draining away. No more bitterness. No more resentment. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be angry anymore. We let go of that. So we don't have to fight. We don't have to resist. We let it go. In Jesus' name. That's so good. That's so good. So good. Now the next thing we do is we ask forgiveness. 
for our own wrong responses. Now you go ahead, wherever you cross the line, thought, word, or deed, you go ahead, just loud enough so you can hear. If you're with somebody, you can confess it to them. You can confess it to a good father, a loving father who loves to forgive, wants, wants to hear it from your lips. Go ahead and confess. Just loud enough so that you can hear. Confess. We've got anointing oil here. If you who are praying with people want anointing oil, go ahead and anoint them. Confess it now so you can hear it. Speak it out. I ask forgiveness for. Name the sins. Go ahead and name the sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. just what happened your sin got washed away and the good news is that he he cleanses us from all unrighteousness i can claim the purity of jesus pure as jesus he cleanses me my sins are clean not dirty not dirty i'm not devalued you value something by what you can get for it i could not get much for one of my cars i couldn't get much you give me 500 I'd say deal the blood of Jesus that's what it costs that's there's something special about you the blood of Jesus touches you tonight and cleanses you you are clean and God we believe that you will enable by that same blood to allow our brothers and sisters to walk in victory over sin to walk in victory over sin a sin shall have no power over you, for you're not under law, but you're under grace. And grace empowers you tonight. Praise the Lord. The last thing. I just want to share a picture as Paul's praying. 
and speaking here, I just saw uh, the Lord was taking uh, like a banner. You know, the banner over us is love. That's his love. And it was red because it, he was saying, remember, remember. And he was coming to each of you and touching with his finger, just touching your heart and saying, where, where is it? Where, where is it? And you were saying right here. And he's healing you. So tonight, Lord, give them your dreams, Lord. We pray against the enemy in all his ways that would bring lies. We pray for protection. We pray for encouragement for your words as they lay their heads on their pillows. Your words. Your words of encouragement. Your love to overflow. And, Father, wake them up refreshed. And that's the fourth point, that the love of God flows down into you. And so as best you can now, you might want to just put your hands open like you're receiving something. Just as a sign of a heart that's open. Paul said it unlocked his heart. How wonderful his heart was open to receive. Now he talks often of the love of God. So, Father, I pray that love would would stream in tonight and that there would be something new something new new accessibility to be on the receiving end of your love new accessibility Gary said that that when he came home there was such love that he just began to speak out in tongues this may be new for you maybe a new experience for you but if you ask for it you got it can receive it and if you if you want to you can just start speaking so you if you want to you ask for that and if you ask for it I guarantee you it's yours it's yours it belongs to you and then you just go ahead and begin you have a part to play you open your mouth and you begin. You open your mouth and you begin to speak. And it will help you to, to access the love of the Father. So open your mouth now. I'm going to start speaking in tongues. Open your mouth. Just begin giving him sounds. Go ahead. You can do it. You can do it if you want. Just open your mouth and begin to sing. Sing in a language you've never learned before. It's yours. Don't say, I can't get it. Don't say that. Say, it's mine. And step into it in faith. That's it. That's it. Father, let them know. Let them be touched by your love tonight. Let them be touched, God. Let them be touched by your love. Now, we encourage you to stay up here as long as you want. And there are going to be people in the prayer ministry that are just going to be walking around and praying with you. Just stay here. You can stay as long as you want. You go when you need to. If you need to leave right away, you leave right away. But we'd like to just pray for a while with people here. So if you if you see a friend here and you want to pray for your friend. 
So I want to encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. But uh, I just got a vision, and if it encourages you, uh, this would be pretty sweet. Uh, at the beginning of Paul talking tonight, I started to see eagles fly down into the room. And I'm like, okay, what is this about? I'm just seeing eagles everywhere, eagles, eagles. And uh, as he continues to start talking, I start to see eagles lifting people out of their chairs. But I didn't know who. I just saw, okay, there's going to be people being lifted out. And then he calls each of us up who feel this father wound uh, or parent wound, whatever that may be, uh, up to the front. And I'm, I have a father wound too, but I can't cry because I'm so like joyful because all I see now, I, I see eagles lifting every single one of us out of the out of the burden that you just everywhere. And, and as you guys are are probably familiar with this verse, Isaiah 40, uh, Isaiah 40, you know, starting in verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And they're not violently grabbing us. You know, obviously, eagles are very strong. They have talons. But they're just gently lifting us up out of all of our burdens. And I'm just seeing eagles everywhere in the room. Yeah, and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us, doesn't he? Gives us pictures like that to encourage us. Thank you, Father. Continue the healing, Lord, that you started here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You bring those tears at the right time. Whether you're maybe driving tonight, although hopefully you're not going to have the tears while you're driving. <laughs> but Lord, bring those tears, your tears of joy and healing.
as we receive healing tonight, um, I just want to encourage you just to seek the Lord for ways where He may further um, give us grace to keep our healing. Um, What I mean by that is a lot of times when we have wounds, we can try to address those wounds with um, false, just false approaches. A perfect example is... um, you see this a lot, like people, if they have an issue, like a relational wound, they'll watch a lot of movies about like these relational fairy tales as a way to like fill that void. Um, I saw this a lot with my own self. I had this wound of feeling accepted, so I would compete in so many arenas, and I would basically try to, like Karen said, address that wound with, with false realities. Whereas the Bible says, Jesus' name is like ointment poured forth. So... The way the Lord wants us to receive this is we see this two approaches. One, Jesus goes to the rich ruler and he gives him an ultimatum and the rich ruler walks away sad because he's unwilling to lay it down. But then he goes to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, he gives Zacchaeus the same reality and Zacchaeus goes for it and he's changed. So the Bible talks about we are beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to the other. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So I just want to encourage you to ask the Lord if there's ways where we may be filling this wound with false, re- with just false ways. Whether it's watching too many movies with unhealthy relationships. Um, it could just be simple things of gossip or just slandering our brother. If there's ways that the Lord can bring us out of just some of these impure approaches and just instead go to the word instead take that hour you were going to watch that movie and just sit at the feet of jesus and worship so father i just ask you tonight just to open up our hearts as we receive from you if just there's ways where you can teach us to love you with all of our hearts all of our mind all of our soul and all of our strength god we just ask you for insights into the way that you made us, that we can better relate to you tonight, God, in more pure ways, God, in ways that will continue to unlock our hearts, to set our hearts free to love you more. Oh, Jesus, how you loved us, loved us so.
I'm not who I once was. I'm not who I once was. Oh. Yeah, it's a new name.
Oh. 